0: In the ballpark, season 2020, here we go! It's all or nothing for the Brisbane Lions. They have to beat Richmond. They have to make a statement. And as Lee Matthews said famously many years ago about the 2001 Bombers, If they bleed, you can kill them. And I believe if Brisbane expose a weakness with Richmond, they are every chance of beating him and they give hope to the rest of the competition that Richmond can be beaten in finals. I'm going to put it all on the line for Brisbane. No excuses, Brisbane. You're winning this game.
1: It's a great story. (laughs) And they had to beat the very best. forward. Here it comes. Listen to this.
0: Right on. How good. The Brisbane Lions are through to a prelim final. That's correct. I nailed my tip. I put all my faith in the Brisbane Lions to break an 11 year losing streak to the Tigers and make Their first preliminary final since 2004 Was never in doubt, gentlemen (laughs) (laughs) There were the Tigers laughing and giggling And missing the national anthem Whilst the Lions were serious, brutal and clinical It was an impressive finals victory Which we thought wouldn't have been rivaled Until the Saints defeated the Doggies in a nail-biter The clock's going to beat the Dogs The Saints... The smallest win in a final since the 1966 grand final. And this is why last week I said on the show we needed this extra week off to grow back the fingernails (laughs) and get our voices loaded because the close finishes kept coming by the time (laughs) the final siren sounded in the West and the so-called Dirty Pies defied all odds to win I was biting my skin. I had no nails left. And that just goes to show the incredible first week of the footy. (laughs) And wow, what an enormous weekend of footy it was. I am Michael Serpal, and it is great to have your company again on In The Ballpark. Let me introduce to you the umpire who would have happily joined Charlie Dixon, Zane Cordy, a buzzing Ash Barty, or a dancing David
1: Koch.
0: In the stands, if Steve Motlop didn't run in and kick his second goal against his old mob when the crowd were about to erupt, if another contentious free kick was given, it's Ryan. Never pay a free kick against us. Friday
1: Hartwick. Frizi, welcome to you, mate. Boys, good evening. Another week, another finals week. Look, I would have certainly loved to have joined him. You're quite right. If it meant we could get out of Melbourne at this stage, I would have taken any chance to do that. Half as many games as a a home and away round, but perhaps uh, double the enjoyment from a viewing perspective, I would say.
0: One of the greatest starts to a final series we have ever seen, and... Gee whiz, it's not every day we see a footballer get pushed out of bounds and then flip over the fence and end up taking a seat in the crowd. I
1: mean, it's very unique to see for Oh, it was, guys. I mean, we thought a few weeks back Joe Danaher quite literally sitting on the fence was something you don't see too often. Well, that very much the same. Boys, we've sort of been touching on it all year about we need a closer final series in general with some more thrillers and a closer grand final. Look, maybe we're on the path to that.
0: And let's hope it continues in this Week Frizy. And let's introduce the man who knows how many Gold Coast Sun supporters are bringing their autograph books to capture half of their old side playing on Friday night at Metricom. And the man who knows how many St Kilda fans have went searching for Ben King on the Gold Coast to see if they can get another 200 centimetres back in their side for this week's Clash. And how many Swan Street tattoo parlors are quickly changing their refund policies <laughs> for all those premature Tiger supporters? It's Maxi, Tiger King tattoo tonner. Maxi, welcome to you, mate. I've had some kinky sex. <clears throat>
2: Thanks, sir. I think a lot is the answer to all of those questions. But yeah, what a weekend at footy. I I said last week, I was a bit worried about the scoring. I just thought coming to finals, they're usually ultra defensive. But for some reason this week, the scoring was high across pretty much all of the games. Yeah, I don't really know what caused it, but they were fantastic to watch. Yeah, I can't wait to rip into it this week, man. It's going to be a great discussion around all the finals games
0: because they were all absolute thrillers. This was... The first week of the finals, I think, the year needed. And you know what, gents? This is the first week of finals, the decade needed. Because unbelievably, the results across the four matches culminated in the lowest combined margins for the first week of finals in the final eight era. So if we add them all up, the total margin was 35 points, which was the lowest in the first week of finals since 1994 so we've had to wait 26 years for it we're not even 26 gentlemen so this is the lowest in our living memory so perhaps shorter quarters are a good thing for finals footy gents
1: well you've certainly done your homework serps that is a maxingtona stat right there that <laughs> is a great piece of research i had no idea that was the case so first of all well done to you there look yeah, I think, boys, would I be sort of fair enough in saying fans, generally speaking, may not even notice or won't even object to a low-scoring game if it's a close, tight one. At least this week, we saw a few of those and less finals blowouts that we've sort of become used to. And if this is the trend that we're seeing for the next three weeks, that won't hurt the spectacle at all. And it's incredible, Frizy, with the 15-minute quarters.
0: You get to the final quarters, and two games stand out for me, both the St. Kilda-Western Bulldog game and the Brisbane-Richmond game. You have Brisbane and you have St. Kilda, both up by a decent margin, trying to slowly burn down the clock. They get to 14, they get to 10, they get to nine minutes, and they still have a decent lead. And you think, oh, they should easily hold on here, but they're not scoring themselves. They almost go into a full defensive mode, whilst the opposition goes, well, We have no time to lose here. We've got to go, go, go. And then you get a scenario with four or five minutes left where you've got only two goals in it. So... Almost that mentality of trying to burn down only 15 minutes of a game left, it can be deceiving because teams can score much quicker and the incentive is definitely there, especially in a final, to score a lot quicker and try and win the game. So it makes for a close and exciting finish. Yeah, I think
2: sometimes you can get a false read on, especially that was the case in the Bulldogs game because I think the Saints had it pretty well wrapped up. And then the Bulldogs just thought, we've got nothing to lose here. Let's go for it. One of the common themes with definitely three of the games, kicking accuracy, especially in front of goal, gets highlighted come finals time. And I thought three of the games, if the team that lost kicked more accurately, they're a genuine chance of winning. I know Tom Hawkins, we'll discuss each of these, but Tom Hawkins had, what, five shots and missed them all. Geelong kicked five goals, 12 to nine goals for Port Adelaide. So you think that Port ended up winning only by 14 points. Everyone's talking about well, what are all these problems that Geelong have got? But the reality is if they kicked straight, they were a genuine champ. Western Bulldogs kicked nine goals, 10. I think it was late in the third quarter and throughout the fourth quarter, they had a heap of opportunities to kick relatively simple goals. Lucky Hunters comes to mind, especially. West Coast Eagles, they kicked 11-9. So that's not terrible. That's above 50%. But then you compare that to Collingwood who kicked 12 goals, 4. So really close games. And it just goes to show for some reason, whenever finals comes around, Kicking accuracy in front of goal gets highlighted way more than it does in the regular home and away says
0: Exactly right, Maxie. Richmond had their opportunities to get really, really close. And we will talk about the little bit of paint that the ball took on the post as well, which was a big turning point in the game, but yeah, there were moments there that Richmond would like to have back as well with their scoring accuracy. So it's definitely a theme that is highlighted a lot in finals. And, Gents, incredible to believe that the average winning margin for this week was just nine points, so just over a straight kick, which even highlights your point more, Maxie, about just how important it is to kick straight in these games and that's also a reason why I'm sitting here today, gents, with next to no fingernails. So that's why I need another bye week myself. I might have to sit out this round
1: and get ready for the prelim finals. It's worth some thoughts that if you're going to uh, keep yourself right for prelim and grand final week, that's your biggest stage. So maybe, maybe it's all for the best.
0: <laughs> so crazy.
1: And I think there's actually
0: these ointments out there where you get a little brush and you can paint something on your fingernails that taste quite awful like a rotten egg, so it kind of discourages you from biting your nails. So I might have to look into that technology.
2: Do you ever drink any coconut water, mate? I don't, Maxi. why do you ask? <laughs> Good for your nails and hair, makes them grow. tastes disgusting though. But if you can handle the taste, and you want to grow your nails quickly, a bit of coconut water. Is it possible that I can get
0: away with a bit of coconut water in possibly a pina colada or uh, some Malacruz? <laughs>
2: Uh, I don't have the answer for you, mate, but sure. But I, I have sat next to you in tense finals games and I can tell everyone, he goes pretty hard on the fingernails, he doesn't stop, so I'll be worried for your fingernails in the coming weeks, man. I'm not marching to help food, I am into champagne.
0: Let's get to the first qualifying final, which of course was Port Adelaide up against Geelong at Adelaide Oval. And Maxi, you said before this game you were tipping Geelong, and then eventually you changed your tip to the Port Adelaide Football Club. And good thing you did because it must be said we got a lot of our tips right this round, and this was one of the big ones. But Maxi, Port Adelaide were absolutely incredible. They brought the heat. One of the Geelong's ex-players was absolutely extraordinary in this clash. And most importantly, Port Adelaide book in a preliminary final at home, a feat that they haven't been able to do for a very, very long period of time. And it must be said... The crowd factor was certainly a big thing for them.
2: You're right, man. I'm, I'm pretty lucky I ended up tipping Port Adelaide because I think I got the rest of my tips wrong. It was a tough week for tipping. I can't imagine, apart from you, mate, too many people would have picked uh, Britsy or Collingwood to win. So, yeah, it wasn't a good week for my tips. But Port Adelaide just Geelong, as I said before, what a game. Port Adelaide, they seem like a team who really rides high on emotion. And I think Kenny Hinckley a really good coach at getting his players up for certain games. I think back to that Richmond game, Port Adelaide straight away, all their midfielders were up. I think Boak, Wines and Rockliffe performed really well. Going into this game, I think Geelong won one of their last five qualifying finals. And when you go through all those games, they seem to have one quarter that gets away from them. And... In this game, it was the third quarter where Port Adelaide pretty much just locked it in their forward half. They exited three occasions in a row, and hayman Charlotte intercepted all three of them. Port Adelaide was sensational, especially those three young players that we've talked about in their draft from a couple of years ago. Rosie, Butters especially, and Dersmer. I know he got knocked out, but they all performed well. As I said, Geelong cost themselves big time in front of goal. When we looked at the Trent McKenzie-Tom Hawkins matchup, you think, Is this going to work? And after the game, people were still wondering, like, do you count that as a win for Port Adelaide? But at the end of the day, Hawkins did have five shots in goal. And as I said before, Geelong pretty much kicked themselves out of it, kicking five goals, 12. So from a Geelong point of view, you wonder, did they actually perform that badly or did they just kick themselves out of it? Say Hawkins kicked three of those goals. Geelong ended up winning. Stevie Motlop was on fire with three goals against his old team. And Port Adelaide were really impressive, especially their midfield. They dominated Geelong in the clearances. And from there, it was pretty much a game for territory and Port Adelaide dominated. Yeah, really impressed with Port Adelaide. Loved the emotion after the game with Kenny Hinkley. They're going to be hard to beat in a home preliminary final. And whether that team is Richmond or
0: St Kilda, they're going to have their work cut out, especially with the crowd noise. But Maxi, you touched on it. The passion from the coaches It was evident across all four teams that won in this first week, but particularly Ken Hinkley. He brought out the fist and he was just hugging all of his players and it was just brilliant to see and you can just see the passion is there from Ken. And as he was walking off the ground and saluting the crowd, you just think back to not that long ago where he was really in the hot seat, Maxi, where he might not have been taken forward and there was a lot of pressure put on him, but gee whiz, just shows if you have a little faith in your coach and you can connect with the players and you see
2: a lot of that humour after the game as well. You see him after the game when he had the one sleeve up, one sleeve down, he was just giving the big fist pump. But um, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but I was surprised that he was able to handle all of that pressure considering that he's in Adelaide, which is a two-team town. And when you look at the Adelaide Crows, they've had a couple of firings of coaches who haven't been under as much pressure as what Kenny Inkley has, so... Credit to Port Adelaide for sticking with him and not buckling to the pressure of the South Australian meter like perhaps the Crows have. When you think of, remember when Brendan Sanderson got sacked, and you think, how the hell did he get sacked? And you're like, I don't reckon he was under half the amount of pressure that Kenny inkley has been under. But you know, it's paid off now. Yeah, it was great emotion, but I want to flip it back to you boys. How did you sort of read the game? Did Geelong perform terribly, or was it just their accuracy,
1: or? Port Adelaide performed well? What was your main takeaway out of it? I think very much the accuracy. I think that's a a great point. I think the Cats definitely had their chances. I do think Port Adelaide probably hit this game with a little bit more energy and purpose. I did think as well for the most of it that Geelong were just as impressive in the contest and sort of in general play. So that defeat will sting them but I think the emotions also worth touching on. They do seem to, to do that better than most and of course at home they get that crowd behind them. It's very, very hard to stop.
0: I absolutely agree with you both on those points and I think it's worth mentioning as well, we talk about key moments in finals. Key moments that really define what happens. That Butters moment
2: when he knocked over two Geelong players and handballed it to Stevie Motlop who gave the old tap on to I think it was Peter Adams. That was an incredible piece of finals footy. And that's what
0: we talk about, those moments, Maxi, and they absolutely won them. I actually, I don't know about you guys when you watched it live, but I kind of thought the mark that I think it was Blitzarv's took when Dersma hit the ground and was out cold, I thought yeah. Dersma had half of that mark. I thought they could have easily balled that up. You're always going to pay what you see live, but look at the replays. I reckon Dersma might have been a little bit stiff not to own half of that mark. Yeah, I reckon
2: Blitzarv's got his hands on the ball just before Dersma, but then as he got his hands on Dersma sort of took control of him. So it was sort of it was a 50-50 one that could have gone all the way, but I thought Blitzer probably got his hands just before, which saved him. But it was a pretty ugly A.O. for Dersma. But as you said, those three boys putting their bodies on the line. I think it's also worth mentioning as well, Todd
0: Marshall looked like he was possibly mm. going to have to sit the rest of the game out with a pretty serious shoulder complaint. But he came back and took a big breath held his nerve and kicked a big goal towards the end of the game. And that was a huge moment. They rate him very highly at Port Adelaide. He's apparently a great character around the club. And he's been through a lot personally. And to see him have that moment and to see the emotion from all of the players getting around him after kicking that very important goal, I thought that said a lot about Port Adelaide's year and also their night as well.
2: Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Chris Scott said the criticism was lazy. Do you reckon it's lazier, is it? He's sort of got to cough up to the fact that he's won, I think it's four out of 16 finals since 2011. He's deflected before, Chris Scott. He yeah. is a good deflector. But at the end of the day, it's
0: not lazy reporting for highlighting a fact. Yeah. Chris Scott's job is to rectify that and to show that this is in isolation.
1: We're a different side in 2020. So far... He has not done that well. No, I look agree, and I think, guys, the last few years it, it's sort of been raised, and he probably feels like a, perhaps a bit of low hanging fruit, too obvious a criticism. But this time every year, it seems to be getting proven again and again. So I think you're right. Until it's sort of broken, it's very much relevant news. So as is probably stated in the obvious, but only just mounts to the pressure of this week's semi final. Every
2: year Geelong's past mark should be winning a prelim final because they keep getting to the prelim final and losing. So if they go out this year and in, in straight sets, and they're under the most pressure, I think, this week. Geelong.
0: Let's get on to qualifying final two at the Gabba. It was Brisbane up against Richmond, and I'm very happy to again announce and remind the footy world that I did tip the Brisbane Lions in this game, because I truly believed in them. They had to get a big monkey off their back. 11 years not having a victory to the Richmond Football Club. Their accuracy from the get-go was a lot better. They managed to kick a goal within the first minute of the game. It was a bit of a shootout at the start. Mm. And thankfully for the Brisbane Lions, they managed to wrestle back the momentum. And Richmond's disappointment is something that really worries me going forward as well. They were all smiling, all laughing at the start of the game, and they just couldn't handle the heat, couple of holding the ball decisions, couple of rough conducts off the ball. And it resulted in some big 50-meter penalties. And for me, their pressure was incredible. Their accuracy was a lot better. And the heart and the spirit and the willingness to hold on and some of their more experienced players stepping up to the plate oh. was huge. And wow, well, Charlie Cameron, getting that big monkey off the back with Dylan Grimes playing up the ground more, having a bigger impact and kicking goals in a final. That's what stood out for me. What about you, gents?
2: Yeah, you're right. To rewatch the game, I think Brisbane looked like the better team pretty much all night. And even if you look back at this game last year, Brisbane actually played pretty well in that first half. I know Richmond kicked away in the second half, but Brisbane were pretty impressive in that first half. They just kicked inaccurately. accurately. They were just like a complete side. I think mean, when you said they kicked the first goal, that Daniel Rich goal in the first minute or so. Daniel Rich was excellent in that first quarter and for the rest of the night. He's kicking it's seriously it's a it's a weapon that whoever plays Brisbane's gotta watch out whenever somebody's got a mark around the fifty meter mark. Yeah, I was really impressed with Hugh McCluggage I thought he was pretty impressive and also Jared Lyons who talk about a bloke who got delisted by Gold Coast traded by Adelaide and all of a sudden is probably one of the best midfielders and one of the best sides of the comp he was seriously impressive but that blocky Neil goal from 50 meters for someone who hasn't had a touch you talk about moments in finals that moment another moment was the archie the rundown it wasn't even a tackle he just got a bit of pressure Brisbane ended up going down the field kicking in the goal and as you said Charlie Cameron he played Grimes perfectly, got him up the ground. I think the commentary was that he actually played as a half-forward flanker and not trying to play as a big key forward. So he ran Grimes around and got him back on the way to goal. So pretty complete performance from Brisbane. Really impressive.
0: And I think even Hipwood as well, Maxi. He was really good, yeah. Yeah, he was fantastic. Lots of big marks as well. Might have to fix up his accuracy a little bit more, but... Gosh, he's showing a lot of improvements already and he played Asprey up the ground and that made it a lot more difficult. Another player that I want to mention, and he's one of our Pegs boys, Frizy, is Cam Rayner, And it was good to see him tussling. Two to, Pegs boys. Two Pegs boys, Maxi. Tussling <laughs> with the captain, Trent Cotchen. And I just thought it was so telling that not only was he able to give the revered leader a little bit of lip and really show physicality, but... A couple of moments later, and we talk about big moments again, gents, he was able to, on the run from 50 metres, able to kick a very, very big goal. I mean, how much has he improved, Cam Rayner?
1: Yeah, that was significant. And I tell you what, for such a young player now, the finals experience he's getting, he's now got a finals win to his name. Sort of, as Maxi said, they're, they're good players, played well. And I think that was a, a critical difference. Um, You sort of felt, I think, Probably the most impressive thing was the way that they held off a Richmond side, which by no means were their better team for a large chunk of this game. You sort of always just felt, knowing what they've been capable of the last few seasons, just waiting, waiting for them to throw that extra punch, even as late as halfway through the last quarter. It didn't come, and I think that's what was super impressive about it from a Brisbane perspective. Not going to say just yet that they've all but uh, booked themselves a grand final place, but they've made it a hell of a lot easier And three games at the Gabba in a row was always going to be the quickest pathway there for them. So they're only one more win away.
0: No better opportunity for the Brisbane Lions. And that's why I mentioned last week this was such an important win to get. And if you do your research well enough and you bring the heat, you show seriousness and grit and win those big moments, there's no reason why you can't upset the reigning premiers. And that's exactly what the Brisbane Lions did. (laughs) Let's get on to the elimination finals. And Saturday was a massive feast of footy, gentlemen. I don't know how you are feeling by the end of Saturday, but I'll tell you what, I was absolutely <laughs> stuffed. What an emotional day of football. And let's go to that first elimination final. The elimination final two. It was St Kilda up against the Western Bulldogs. This was a twilight clash. And I've got to say, this was one of the best finals games of the round. And Friesy, tell us. What made you so, so excited about this game and what made you stand up and run around and act like a crazy man in those last five minutes of the final quarter?
1: Well, I thought I told you about my little episode there in confidence, boys, but now it's out there now. So I guess that's what finals can do. Another close one is a three-point win to the Saints. Wow. I suppose, guys, it might be appropriate for the Dogs that they don't go a step further given the inconsistency that they've had all season. We've talked about it at length. Perhaps it's an appropriate result. Even non-St. Kilda supporters might have been praying for them to get through with their first finals win in 10 years. They did that, leading for most of the game and, of course, by four goals at half and three-quarter time. A great effort by the Dogs to get it back to where they did. Their midfield tried... Pretty tirelessly regardless, but um, look, the leadership of their skipper, Jaron Geary, the Saints, Paddy Ryder as well. He was obviously emotional in the end scenes there in limping off. Dan Hannabury as well was another prolific performer. It was certainly the more consistent side of these two during the season, so perhaps the result is a just one.
0: And it's important you highlight the experience that St Kilda have from other clubs, the likes of Paddy Ryder and Dan Hannabury, you just saw the way they played, especially Dan Hannabury, and you go, this guy has played in finals games before. He's played in crunch matches. He just had a certain intensity and awareness and cleanness that some of his players around him didn't quite have. And a lot of people criticized the move of getting Dan Hannabury to the club. He didn't play a lot of games in his first season there, but when you watch St Kilda play in that final and you see the way Dan hannabury plays and that experience that he brings, you can just see the Saints vision there and it really, they pulled it off, didn't they, Frizi?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think it's worth highlighting the experience and, and what that can do for the group. It may have been probably the biggest factor this year in such a rapid rise. I tell you what, there's really no limit on where they can go yet. While we might still have Richmond as the favourites coming into this week. Wow. You'd be a brave man to tip them with certainty. Absolutely. The Saints are up and about as they have been for most of the year. Melbourne or not, it is an incredibly exciting little period for their fans.
0: Let's talk about their inspirational skipper for a moment, Jaron Geary, because he played a very important role, which he has been doing for a lot of this season, playing lockdown defensive roles, and at times drifting up forward, and playing defensive forward roles. He played a crucial role on All-Australian defender, Caleb Daniel. And it must be said that Jaron Geary had the better of Caleb Daniel, especially in those marking contests in the forward line.
1: Yeah, that is significant. And this, this guy really is such an unheld and underrated performer. And you can see why he is, of course, picked as their leader. Just on the Saints as well, guys, you probably would have heard the news. I was going to mention Jake Carlisle there. As we know, was another of their better performers. He's leaving the hub, I believe, to witness the birth of his next child, I think. Number three, there was a bit of back and forth, I sort of heard through general sort of media and that in the last couple of days. I'm not sure what you guys make of that. It's hard to criticize, but we're footy fans. You can sort of get excited, but at the end of the day,
2: witnessing the birth of his third child, so you can't go too hard on him, but you sort of at the same time. I wonder if this was maybe a few decades ago, would he have made the same decision? It's 2020. Times have changed And you can't be too harsh on him
0: Listening to Jake Carlisle speak about it Sounds like it's been a tough time for him In the hub He's obviously had a tough period of time At the St Kilda Football Club It hasn't been as consistent as he would have liked Not only with his body But also with his own decision making And his personal struggles Hasn't been an easy time for him He did speak about how happy and overjoyed he was When his family came and joined him In the hub for a short period of time and them leaving, it has been tough for him since then. So I suppose in a lot of senses, it might be good for his own personal health to get out of the hub and to be with his family. But equally, I agree with your point as well, Maxi. Especially in a crunch final time, if this had been played in yesteryear, might have been a different outcome. And yeah, possibly the club might have been asking more from him. So yeah, it's hard for us to judge. None of us have been fathers before. Mm. And it's a tough one to comment on. Big loss
2: though, for Saints, Saints they got Paddy Ryder out. Jake Kyle yeah. out. And also Ben Long's been suspended. Three big outs from a massive elimination final.
0: Absolutely, Maxie. And I think the guy that they want to bring in, Josh Battle, there is a lot of word around him not being quite 100% with his foot. So it's interesting to see whether he gets up for that game as well. They've got Dylan Robertson. Wouldn't that be a big story if Dylan Robertson? That'd be huge. We him. just hope for him that he can get back out there again. and And if he does... Gosh, he was almost all Australian at one stage. So he would be a very crucial player. Whether he can recapture that form or not, that's another question in a final. But he would be a good inclusion if he can get up. That would be a
2: massive ask. Yeah, I sort of feel a little bit for the Saints considering they've had one of their best wins in probably 10 years. And they've just lost three players. So huge ask for them to back it up against Richmond. But, I mean, considering the way that they played, you wouldn't write them off. It was a massive win for the Saints. One of the best in their history. But you got to
0: say, on the flip side, the Western Bulldogs, disappointing especially leaving their run late. And again, as we touched on throughout the season, their forward line woes just continued to shine, didn't they, gents?
2: I covered the Bulldogs a fair bit on my considerable winners and losers. So at the end of the day, I think they won one game against the top eight side all year. So maybe we've been fooled by a little bit of a false read of the Bulldogs considering their performances against bottom eight sides. One of the hard teams to read where they're at currently at the moment, I've said the whole year that they're probably two players short. And they're all in key positions. I think they need a Ruffman, another Keith back, and another key forward. So when we analysed them coming into this year, we thought, geez, they've brought Bruce and Keith in. So that was two key positions they've already brought in, but they might be three more short. So they're going to have a massive trade and draft period coming up. Certainly going to be an
0: interesting trade and off-season period for the Western Bulldogs, but a massive win for the Saints. They go on and play Richmond next week. Let's get on to the final game of the first week of the finals and it was the elimination final one West Coast Eagles up against the Pies at Optus Stadium. It's important mentioning that it was up at Optus Stadium. The Pies were considered the dirty Pies all throughout the week. They were given no chance by a lot of journalists And the Pies, as we mentioned last week, they are a very competitive team. But we were surprised just how convincing they were. And Coxzilla, he is officially back. We thought he was a one-hit wonder. But gee whiz, at the start of this game, he ripped it to shreds like he did that prelim in 2018. And boy, wasn't it a good sight to see, gents, seeing a big American dominate in the West. Also worth mentioning this year as well that West Coast, they've been complaining all year about the circumstances that they've been in. But Collingwood, they kept very quiet this week. They took it on the chin. And you know what? I think Karma has a lot to say in this game as well, gents.
2: Yeah. Hopefully these two can play finals every year because they keep throwing up absolute classics. The qualifying final, the grand final of 2018 and now this year. They started really well, Colin with Mason Cox and you thought this is the grand final all over again. Well, I think they kicked five goals in the first quarter to one and they were on fire. But I thought the whole game watching it, the West Coast, they're going to chase them down eventually. And just a couple of those huge moments in the last quarter with that Brodie Majcek, left foot goal whether he meant it or not who knows and that last final play it was almost a mirror image of the 2018 the last plays in the grand final when McGovern intercepts and he's kicked it down the line and they've marked it and they've played on you just thought oh no this is going to happen again and Collingwood are going to get robbed yeah I think it was Taylor Adams who made it the intercept and then Pendlebury what it was sort of underrated that he didn't just bomb along West Coast still had a few numbers and they could have intercepted it again but he found a target again. So Colin had actually held onto the ball and then they could run down the clock. But they're exceptional. I, I love the of Maynard against Liam Ryan. I think Ryan kicked three goals in the end but Ryan sort of got it right up the middle like he did in the 2018 Grand Final all
1: over again. I felt a bit sorry for Maynard but yeah, what a battle and what a game. I don't think many in general and certainly not many of us on here, I know I didn't give them the slightest chance heading into it. Yeah, and of course some of the Super Finals they've played as far back as the last 20 or 30 years, it's Absolutely frantic every time, it feels like. But, of course, away from home and with all the things going against them, this is just huge. They didn't let the stage or the crowd stop their run. There were some really desperate efforts in those final minutes from some of the Collingwood players. I suppose the tone was set, wasn't it? Big Mason in that first quarter, you know, big grabs, three goals. Goodness me. And Taylor Adams, I couldn't go without mentioning him. How good was that bloke?
0: Extraordinary. Frizy possibly touted. As the next captain of the Collingwood Football Club... Absolutely massive. And as you mentioned, that big play, it was almost the repeat of what they were able to do, the West Coast Eagles in the 2018 grand final, where they were able to go coast to coast. And it started with McGovern, ironically. But Collingwood were pretty well set up behind the ball, however. So even if that ball did enter the 50, Collingwood might have taken a pretty easy intercept mark. But I'm sure Collingwood have practiced that scenario multiple times because it's probably a nightmare that still comes up for them. But Collingwood, they keep that finals hope alive there is every chance that Collingwood can go deeper into this final series it's not the way we would have expected them to do it the fact that they're still alive in this final series is quite remarkable and gents how do you rate the West Coast Eagles season now that they have exited the final series?
2: Paul, well, to me West Coast have got a strike in the next one or two years because you look at their list it's ageing and they gave away last year's first-round pick and this year's first-round pick for Tim Kelly, so they're not going to have a first-round pick for pretty much two drafts. You think of Kennedy, I know Oscar Allen's probably the obvious replacement, and then you look at their midfield with Shuey and their backline, Hearn. They're right in the window now, and the last two years they've pretty much wasted with not finishing in the top four. So you think back on it now, we sort of joked about, oh, they didn't take the first round seriously. Well, if they had of they probably would have been in top four and they would have at least had another chance and now they've pretty much wasted a season in their window so I've said this a couple of times that 2020 wasn't going to work for some sides and obviously it hasn't worked for West Coast but They haven't made it easy for themselves.
1: A lot of their good patches during the home and away season, of course, came at home. It was a fair bit of a disaster prior to that. I'd have to agree. I just feel like, yeah, there was a huge opportunity gone begging this week. For all the adversity
0: that Collingwood went through, they didn't complain too much this season. They just took everything on board. They acted as if it was an adventure. They've been through some adversity themselves and they were able to get out of it. And that wraps up the first... Week of the Finals. Ah! Oh, it is time for our favourite segment of the week. It is Bring It Back, Give It The Sack, Have A Crack.
1: My back and my spray.
0: On Bring It Back this week, we are talking about legendary people from other sporting codes or professions in the crowd being passionate at the footy. And wasn't it terrific, gentlemen, to see... Number one seed in the world in the tennis, Ash Barty, doing her very own Barty party in the crowd. (laughs) A proud and passionate Tiger supporter is she. She was holding up a frothy and she was getting around her beloved Tigers with the fist up. And, gents, I just wanted to highlight, it reminded me about the good old days where our Prime Minister, Kevin Rudd, that's right. Kevin 07 (laughs) was in the crowd. He is a massive nut. We already know that. But he's also (laughs) a massive Brisbane Lions nut. Oh, yes, he draped himself in the Lions scarf at a few games during his stint in charge of the country. But it reminded me, gents of some of the other stars that have also featured. Warnie, what about Shane Warn? Get yourself on the Gold Coast, Warnie, this Friday. for your clash against the Tigers and bring your mate the tip rack for the song as well. Abba are also big Carlton fans. Miranda Kerr was spotted in a Pies jumper. I don't know if she was wearing anything else underneath the Pies jumper, but she was wearing a Pies jumper. And West Coast, one of their biggest recruits is Barack Obama. So there's another big star we want to see promoting games in the future. Well, we all know that Snoop Dogg
1: the
0: of the deal, is a Watch Gold Coast Sun supporter. So will he yeah. be on the Gold Coast <laughs> <laughs> to promote this weekend's game? Well, we'll have to find out. And what about The Rock and Mr Bean for Collingwood? And Kim Kardashian is an Adelaide supporter. Can (laughs) they convince the Kardashians to switch over to Port Adelaide for the big preliminary final? I don't know. But, gents, all I can say is there's a fair few stars that get around some of our big AFL clubs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I question how just passionate a few of those um, people you mentioned are. One of my favourite celebrities watching a game was, I think it was 2009 or 2010, when Eric Banner was going for the Saints in the crowd. And you could tell... But he's an actual fan He's not just a celebrity That gets handed a jumper And suddenly they're a fan He was an actual St. Kilda fan And you tell that He was just biting his nail That was probably my favourite And another one was I think it was the opening Of Marvel Stadium When Chris Hemsworth Thor himself was there With Matt Damon And they were having A fair bit of fun that night So yeah it was good to see Ash Barty on the beers Instead of at Roland Garrett's. Especially now that The tennis
0: gods Have given her The number one ranking Good on her She can enjoy that frothy Just a little bit more as well Maxi and Fryzee do you have some good memories of celebrities coming along
1: to football matches? I think Michael Klim, uh, Olympic swimmer, he's a mad saner as well, I think, for memory. Quality list of names here, Serbs. I think regardless, uh, there's a lot of them that would do anything like this for the right price.
0: <laughs> yeah, we love it. Bring it back. We want to see more celebrities at our footy games, especially during the finals series. Give it the sack! Oh, now, Frizy, as you know... Razor Ray is a legendary umpire. In Adelaide on Thursday, throughout the game, he chose to bounce the ball in the ball-up situations to the left-hand side of the centre square, which I found was a little bit odd. Now, Ray was called out by Geelong coach Chris Scott, who was obviously picking apart all sorts of excuses after the game, but he said (laughs) this was favouring the opposition Ruckman. Now the umpiring fraternity believes the relay turf at Adelaide Oval was getting a little bit worn out, which caused issues for the umpires bouncing it directly in the centre of the ground. But I reckon we keep the almighty centre square ball up for the very first bounce of a grand final, or for the start of a major big regular season match or a big finals match, because everything else clearly is very, very difficult for the umpires. It is a tough skill. You ask any umpire, the recalling of the bounce, it saps away the momentum and the energy out of the game. And the poor umpires, it's such a hard skill to execute. They get booed if they miss the bounce. Clearly, it's an absolute pressure valve thing for the umpires. What is your opinion on the bounce in the centre of the ground, Frizi. Should we just leave it for the big moments, or should we be trying to do it every single ball up?
1: Now, nah, look, I'm with you, sir. You know, sometimes less is more with this. Let's make it about the occasion, the start of a game, perhaps even the start of each quarter, and that's it. As you mentioned, it's a very unique and difficult skill that a lot of Top shelf umpires simply can't do it or struggle to do it consistently, and because it's such a key uh, criteria point, it can often hold them back. And of course, you don't want to see that. I'm not sure what was going through Razor's head when he decided to do that on the weekend. That sort of thing's not a good look in a in a preseason game, let alone a big final. I'm just going to add here may be a little bit of bias in the sense that I've always been one of those ones that has never fancied my ability to do it, or at least do it consistently. It's okay to be able to do it, but in my case, if you can do it, maybe on three out of ten occasions. Okay, It's probably not good enough And uh, I think it's something that we will eventually see them do away with But not yet I've got an idea I want to pitch for Isaac So currently
2: the umpire goes in to bounce the ball As if they're running straight up the middle of the ground Cutting the ground in half what if they switched it to where the umpire came in to bounce the ball in line with the middle of the goals rather than going straight through the wings? And that way, if the ball bounced, it would go towards either side of the wing and wouldn't favour either
1: side. So you'd actually switch to how the rockman is standing. I get you here. And look, I don't think it's as radical as some might think either. And it it probably means that the poor umpire, especially if they're the size of someone like Ray, they less chance of colliding Backwards into players as well.
2: Even if they keep going with what they have now, they should take the time off that is lost and just put it back on the clock. As soon as a bounce
1: gets recalled, add that time back onto the clock. I'm glad you mentioned that, Maxi. Yeah, for mine that should just be a not negotiable. Lose two or three seconds here, there can be crucial in a tense last quarter. I can't believe that hasn't been rectified yet.
0: We want to keep the bounce, but possibly in the future, just for show, not for every single contest. But possibly if they make those changes that Maxi suggested. Who knows, it might be a lot easier for the officiating umpires. Let's get to have a crack. Never tear us apart is an incredible pre-opening bounce tradition for the Fort Adelaide Football Club. The hairs stand up on your neck And it proves That Adelaide folk can remember Lyrics to songs <laughs> How about that? <laughs> but the Brisbane Lions Have a very important And record-breaking Upcoming preliminary final At their home ground The Gabba. And I put this To the Brisbane Lions You need to get an anthem For the whole crowd to get into Before the bounce of the ball And gents I have some suggestions for you.
1: Oh, dear. Here we go. More
0: innovation. All right. The first song you should remember is Africa by Toto. How about that? The whole crowd listening to Africa and they're singing. Take the to away from you. That a men I uh, bless the, the way winds in the
1: Oh, surfs.
0: How about that as a change of lyric?
1: What do you reckon? (laughs) Oh, look, I'd pitch this recording to as many places as you can, sirp. What's the worst that can happen? And what about this classic? It is a little bit slower. It may not be as much of a pump-up song, but
0: what about The Lion Sleeps Tonight? A bit of a... Oh, we're moving. Oh, we're moving. Oh, we're moving. I mean... (laughs) The lion sleeps in the jungle and you wake the lion up and you can have this reenactment on the field where this lion's sleeping and the person who's presenting at the crowd, possibly me, I'll put my hand up. Let's wake up the lion, everybody. Let's go. And then you've got all these people going, you know, oh, boy. oh, boy. And then you can just see the lion's head just starting to raise off the ground and then Everyone gets the line up and they go nuts and then they blow the, the whistle and they get playing. What do you reckon? Try and wake up the lion and they can get a real lion. I reckon
2: they
1: get a real lion. I don't know about the song idea though. <laughs> Guys, absolutely. This show has already had more radical ideas than this, so no reason why it can't get this off the ground.
0: Gents, are you surprised that not more teams have pump-up songs before a game?
1: Port Adelaide have
2: made it their own thing. If every club does it, then they're sort of just copying Port Adelaide and it's not really original. A number of clubs has their own little thing, like the Richmond have the drummers going, even Essendon, we've got the siren that goes, which gets you up and about sometimes. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, because if you do,
1: then people would just say, oh, you're just copying Port Adelaide, but... I don't know, maybe a little bit surprised. Yeah, it's that fine line, boys, isn't it, from does it actually pump up your fans or is it seen as a bit of a cringeworthy gimmick? It's a tricky one. Port Adelaide certainly nailed it. I'm pretty sure the Eagles play Eagle Rock after they went as well.
0: At half time, I remember during the final that I was at, and it was a terrible final, as you gents know, Essendon up against Sydney, they played Sweet Caroline and the whole crowd was singing along with it. So, I don't know if that's still a halftime tradition for the Sydney Swans, but they certainly tried it. It's
2: good for a crowd to sing along to.
0: It's good for a collective. But hey, what about Welcome to the Jungle? You know, Welcome to the Jungle. That might be a good one. That could for- be Brisbane. Welcome to the Jungle. Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the jungle. <laughs>
1: You're going down the right line here. You're going for tried and trusted songs that everyone knows. Yep, yep.
0: Even if you just get in the crowd to just go, welcome to the jungle, <laughs> and then the lion that's in the middle of the ground is like, and everyone's like, yeah, we got it pissed off. We're going to play well tonight, sort of thing. So that would make me very, very happy. So, Brisbane Lions, if you're listening, welcome to the jungle and a real lion. If you can get that done before the prelim final, we'll be impressed if you're on in the ballpark. Alrighty, I am excited to get into the two semi-final matches for this round. And let's get started on Friday, October the 9th. It is the second semi-final. It is Richmond up against St Kilda. 7.50 at, yes, Metricom Stadium on the Gold Coast. Which officially means this is going to be the first ever final at Metricom Stadium on the Gold Coast. And how insulting is it that the Gold Coast aren't even in the first (laughs) final on the Gold Coast? Ouch! Oh, I wonder if Dim is sending out a little bit of a stinger message to the Gold Coast Suns. He has stolen a few of their players. So maybe this is just another bit of salt into the wounds of the Gold Coast Suns. But interesting choice to play this game at Metricom Stadium, gentlemen. We know that The Richmond headquarters are about 400 metres from the ground, so it is convenient for them. But you would think having the option of playing at the Gabba, having a bigger crowd, considering that the grand final is going to be played on the Gabba, that they would have preferred to play it on the Gabba. But they are going with... By the looks of things, a clean record at Metricon Stadium this season. What are your thoughts on the venue, guys? I was
2: a little bit surprised initially when I heard that. but when you sort of hear that Richmond are around the corner from Metricon, it's probably not as big a surprise. And I think the Saints are a fair drive from Metricon, so maybe that's a little tactical advantage. And but I think Richmond have got a pretty decent record at Metricon. <laughs> um, I don't know if they've lost a game there this season, but yeah, it's a little bit surprising. But just on the game, Richmond obviously get. Tom Lynch back. I think he was pretty angry that he wasn't playing in last week's game. So, big in for Richmond, especially. to will help out their forward line immensely. And considering that Carlisle's out, Dougal Howard's probably going to have his hands full with Tom Lynch and also Jack Rewalt. You'd think Wilkie would probably get that match up. But you'd be a brave man to tip St Kilda this week. I reckon they'll trouble with their ball movement because the Saints move move the ball pretty quickly. And I was really impressed with the Saints forward line on the weekend with Tim Embry. He played excellently. I think he had multiple goals and had a fair bit of the ball for a key forward. And in his first final incredible and obviously Dan Butler should have been All-Australian probably one of the best small forwards in the comp so I reckon the Saints will trouble them but yeah as I said considering Richmond have just lost a final that'll probably sting them and with Tom back, I think you just have to
1: tip Richmond and trust in the reigning premiers yeah look I think so too it's almost too difficult to tip against them so personally I wouldn't be doing that I think they'll win I know there's the lure of straight sets and it's always a possibility and maybe that little edge will work in the Saints favour they'll definitely try trouble them with the speed, I agree. If they can bring the same pressure from last week, we know obviously Richmond at the best of times and probably the worst of times are a very high-pressure side, so could make for a very very interesting game in that sense I hope it is a close one there's a small part of me as well that just says this Richmond side might sort of go right out we know this is our last chance they'll click and they'll win comfortably gee gents both these games the only thing about them is you just wish they were both at the MCG this week that's for Mm. sure all Victorian round
0: it is it is an all Victorian round and it is fantastic to see in finals and unfortunately only two Victorian clubs can go through which is I suppose the only disappointing part but oh. Look, my opinion still is if a Victorian side can win this year's premiership, it'll be one hell of a premiership to remember. It's just, you can't underestimate how difficult it must be. Being away from their families, being away from their comfort zones, being away from their regular club, their regular training, their regular routines. And it's a year like no other. But I think if a Victorian club can get up and win in this season, or even Port Adelaide being away from Brisbane, you've got to say, it'd be an incredible achievement for them to do it. But, yeah, nothing's beyond the Tigers. I think they'll be favourites for this game. It's hard to tip against them, I've got to say. But my heart wants to tip the Saints, but my head's saying Richmond.
2: Mm, Got Richmond all round?
0: I think we've got Richmond all round here. Let's get on to the first semi-final, which is on Saturday, October the 10th. It is Geelong up against Collingwood, 740 At the GABA, and these two teams talk about sides who have played in some thrilling games. Well, these two sides have dished up some absolute beauties in some prelim finals, in some grand finals, and in some regular seasonal games over the last 10 years. And this is going to be an absolutely fascinating clash because Geelong will be out to try. And fix their goal kicking yips and Collingwood. Well, there's no ceiling for them anymore, gents. I think they're a very, very confident side, and they will fancy themselves wrongly in this game. Where do you see the game being won, and who do you see winning it, gents?
2: Oh, I don't. I honestly have no idea who I'm going to tip. In this one, Geelong, as I've mentioned, I'm losing confidence in them, but at the same time, I still don't really know how to read their performance against Port Adelaide, considering Port Adelaide been the top side all year, and Geelong, had they have taken their chances, very well could have won. But as we've mentioned, Collingwood have got a very good record, and considering they've just pulled off the impossible from a mental point, you'd sort of think Collingwood would go into this game thinking we've got nothing to lose, where Geelong have sort of, got all of the pressure on them, considering their shocking finals history in the last couple of years, or pretty much since 2011. So I feel like Colin would, would play this game with more sense of freedom, whereas Geelong have got all the pressure on them. It'll be interesting to see whether Colin would go with such a tall forward line again. They went into that game with over five blokes over 200 centimetres, and in the game against Geelong earlier in the year, it was sort of the small forwards that did a number on Geelong. And I think one of the weaknesses in Geelong's side is dealing with small forwards, so It'll be interesting to see if Collingwood go in with any changes or whether or not they back their fourth line to do the damage two weeks in a row. But big midfield battle, two great midfields going against each other. But my soft tip is Collingwood, but I've got really no confidence in that tip at the moment.
0: Wow, Maxie, you're going with the slight underdogs in this game. They are slightly outside, not as outside as St Kilda are, but yeah, it would be massive if Collingwood get up in this game. Fryzee, How do you see this one going?
1: First of all, can I just add, I love the concept of a soft tip. I think it's very relevant, especially in finals. I'm going to go for Collingwood too, I think. Just not sure. I know Geelong were far from um, disappointing last week. And look, you wouldn't expect that forward line to have as much of a nightmare as it did again. But I just think that Collingwood have overcome their most difficult hurdle already last week that could have possibly got in their way this final series I think they'll take a lot from that I know they've got to come from Perth but they're all on the road these days I suppose if there's anything in that is that they're getting better and better at, at coping with it so Pies for me just I still have that question mark on Geelong when it comes to the crunch
0: I also agree with you gents I think Collingwood can definitely win this game but for some reason I'm gonna tip the Cats because they've got so so much pressure on them as especially with Chris Scott. I think he really needs to hit them hard this week and just get a response out of them because they could have easily won that game against Port Adelaide. And if they're competing up against Port Adelaide and doing that well and not quite getting over the line, if they fix up just a couple of little things, I reckon they can do it. But they should not underestimate Collingwood because they're going to come at them and they're going to come at them hard. I'm going to tip Geelong just, but again almost a soft tip with no great confidence here. Yeah. Out of these two games, this is probably the closer one I'd like to think. That is a wrap up of the semi-finals for this week. Going to be absolutely scintillating and whatever matchups come for the preliminary finals, they are set to be absolute thrillers. Will it be a all-interstate grand final? Well, we'll find out. Well, gentlemen, it has been another massive week of In The Ballpark. What an extraordinary first week of the finals we have encountered with our very own eyes. I think we've all deserved it, and we are very excited for the semi-finals this coming week. Thank you very much, guys. You have been amazing, as always.
1: Thanks, sir. Thank you, Serpers.
0: And thank you out there, you passionate footy supporters, for listening to another emphatic episode of in the ballpark we'll see you next week for a huge preliminary final episode we can't wait to have your company see you next time on in the ballpark
2: And I'm standing in a cage with five
0: full grown tigers in line.